Welcome to North Bay Christ the King. You're listening to our weekly service message podcast. Join us every Sunday morning at 9.30 and 11 o'clock at our campus location in Birch Bay, Washington. Thank you for tuning in. We are in a series called Tell Me the Story Again. We're going to jump into that series in a moment. But before we do, can you believe we're getting close to Christmas? It is just weeks away, a few weeks away. And I want to take a special opportunity to emphasize to you that we have Christmas Eve services. It's a highlight, I know, of my year. I know many of you as well and what we do around here, and especially for our community. And so today, before you leave, in fact, our ushers on the way out, there's two baskets, and they're going to offer you an invitation. This invitation is not only for you to come Christmas Eve, but also for a friend or a loved one that you would want to invite to hear the Christmas story. So it's just a little little booklet, a little invitation that you can have the information for Christmas Eve services to pass on, but to hand them out. You can take as many as you want today. There'll be some available next week as well. But I want to emphasize on Christmas Eve, we have three services. So it's Monday, December 24th, 2.30 service. There's a four o'clock service and there's a 5.30 service. And so Think about which service to come to and to be a part of, and and again, invite anyone you know to to be a part of that. But I also want to emphasize something that's unique this year. Many of you know we planted another church. It's called CTK Blaine, and they've been meeting the last few weeks. where We're actually joining with them on Sunday, December 23rd. We're just going to invade Blaine on the 23rd, and they have two services that's in your program. You can read, I believe it's, it's, I believe it's a 9 and 10.30 on service times that they're going to have. So our times are a little bit different than we normally do here at North Bay, but we will not be here on Sunday, December 23rd. So don't show up here. Well, there'll be a sign telling you we're not here. We're at Blaine, and they meet at the Blaine Community Center, Blaine Senior Center, just right across from Blaine School. And so hopefully you can be a part of that. Hopefully you can come on the 24th. But again, on the way out, make sure you take one of these as we tell the story again. That's, that's, our, that's our heart and desire is to share in a fresh way this powerful, amazing story. And last week when we, we started off, we talked about that the story of Christmas it's a real story. Like we talk about stories and make believe and you got, you know, different, different books that we read and different literature. It, it, it sounds at times when you understand and hear the Christmas story, it sounds wonderful, but we need to re- remember it's a real account, historically what took place. And I love the fact of stories and great stories and knowing it's a real life story that's filled with drama. But we like drama, right? Don't you like drama? Well, not in your own life, right? You could spare that a little bit. But we love great stories. And what makes a great story is it's character development. So it's an engaging plot. But the other element that I want to emphasize in the Christmas story today is timing. How many know timing is so key in anything that you're telling and sharing? And, and you know, you know this to be true and if you've been a part of a story where timing, it creates a buildup, there's a foreshadowing of anticipation, timing brings tension. 
And again, real life, not always wanting tension, but we love a great story that's tension. Like, what's going to happen? What's going to take place? And when things are at its lowest point, things that couldn't get any worse and it gets worse, guess what? There's a turning point that happens. There, there comes a breakthrough. And, and, and hopefully, we all want the happy ending or at least a resolve of a situation that we can you know, pretty much be satisfied to move on. We love it in novels. We love it in blockbusters. Uh, not so much, again, in our, in our own lives. Because there's times we go and we're going through difficulty and the, the times that we live that we can actually go, man, can, can anything, can this day get any worse? You ever said that one? You know, this, can, this, can this situation get any worse? And guess what? It ends up being worse. <laughs> You're just like, how did this happen? It's, we, we didn't think it would be this bad. But the lowest point and the pain and strife and struggle and all that we're going through, there comes this time and we realize, and Lord, I'm not sure if we can, we can continue on. Something's got to change. It's about time. For something to change. Well, have you ever felt that way, or maybe you're feeling that way today, that the Christmas story is your story. And really, as I look at my life, it's, it's my story as well. It's a, it's a story of struggle. And it's all, if you look at it, so much has to do with timing. Now, this question I, I was pondering this week, and as part of thinking about the Christmas story, is this. Why did God choose for Jesus to be born at the exact time in history. You ever ask that question? Like, why then? Why at that time in history, at the exact, the exact moment in history? Well, the short answer is the pat answer is that God in his infinite wisdom and his sovereignty knew what was best, okay? We can always kind of go to that, right? God, God's God and he does what he does. But have you ever thought about that in a human perspective or in a historical perspective? Why 2,000 years ago at that time and that that place. Next week, we're going to talk a little bit about the place and it all happened. But there's no one message that is going to be able, I can't take all the time today to answer that question. But I want, to, want us to think about that a little bit. God's timing, his plan in this timing, and why does, did he do what he did and the way he went about it and, and the sequencing of that led to this place. Because if you think about it, it really has a, a bigger play. It has a bigger purpose, not just his will to be fulfilled, but the timing in which he does it. And that ties to our lives. It ties to how we go about our life as well. And so not, again, a lot of drama in our life at times. You're thinking, why do I have to go through or going through? Here are hopefully some, some thoughts we can just get an understanding of, of what God is saying to us today in the Christmas story here. Because I would say so, so many of us we ask these questions. Why do I have to go through this? Why do I have to wait? Lord, when are you going to help us in this situation? When are we going to get through we're going to get through? Lord, if, and we've done this. If you really are there, do you, do you really care? And all those questions, those questions are timing questions that tie again back as you look at the Christmas story and look. Now, last week we looked at what we called the prologue. The prologue was this introduction that Luke, the, the writer of the Gospel of Luke, gave us. He said, hey, this is not just a make-believe thing. There's a historical count to eyewitnesses that saw Jesus and knew Jesus. And, and let me tell you about what I learned. And so now we're actually going to get to what Luke wrote and what actual story of Christmas. It starts with this, in the time. Now, there it is, in the time. It's in a moment in history. It actually happened in a historical count. 
It says of Herod, king of Judea. We're going to talk about that next week on how that, how does that matter in, in, in the story, the setting of with that. But it goes on. Luke says this, there was a priest named Zachariah. Zachariah is actually the first character in the Christmas story. Zachariah, it's interesting. His name means God remembers or the Lord remembers. And that's talk about foreshadowing in a story that foreshadows to what the significance is. We're going to look at the Christmas story here. See, each and every year, there's an anticipation of Christmas is coming, right? We, we anticipate it's coming. Kids get excited. What's under the tree? What's, what's on the mantle? And imagine waiting, not just a few weeks, imagine waiting hundreds of years, 400 years to be close to the exact of that, where people are waiting and they're weary. And in that weariness of waiting, on top of that, there was silence. It's called the silent period. 400 years from the last prophet speaking in the Old Testament to where we are going to get this moment with Zechariah. 400 years. I don't know if you've ever experienced the silent treatment. Uh, it's nowadays, nowadays, we call it being ghost, Right? So if you're with a friend or know somebody or, you, you know, they, they ghost you on social media. Like you text them, they don't text back. You Facebook them, you've done different things to reach out and there's nothing. They've ghosted you, right? And, and so this happens in, in younger people with relationships and what happens. And, and almost like, like they don't respond back. They don't want you. They don't want to. That's the, they don't want to do that. Why are they, they don't want to respond. It's, it's hard, the silent treatment. It's kind of very passive aggressive, isn't it? When people do that to us. But I have, a, I have as we, that's painful on a human level. People reject us or don't respond to us. Sometimes we can feel that with God. There was a, God ghosted his people for 400 years. 400 years, there was silence, and this really affected the Jewish people, the people that listened to the prophets of God and, and tried to follow the best they can. But what happened is the, the Jewish people, not only were they, the God was silent, but they experienced persecution. Empire after empire, the, the Persian Empire, the, the, the Greek Empire, then the Roman Empire, all these empires took over and conquered Israel. And, and they lived in oppression. They lived in a place where they longed for what they're hoping for, for the Messiah to come. The long-awaited Messiah to come. But generation after generation, years, hundreds of years go by, hoping that there would be a Savior to come to rescue them. But when hope was dimming, when, there was, when things got bad to worse, at the darkest moment, again, some of the great stories we love, or at the darkest moment, the lowest point, there's a flicker of hope. And there's a moment, an opportunity, and it came, think about this, it came through a lowly priest named Zechariah. What is his naming? God remembers, that God remembers. It's a reminder that the story, whatever story we're in, it's not done. There's just a lot of messy middle, and that's what we look and we find where the Christmas story lands. And the timing of it is pretty amazing. The Jewish people who knew what it meant to be rescued, meaning hundreds and hundreds of years before that, they knew in their ancient ancestors, there was a, there was a time when the people were slaves in Egypt. 
and, and they needed to be rescued. And so God raised up Moses. And Moses, with his, God's help, led him out into the promised land. They know the story of rescue. They know the story of coming out of oppression. But it wasn't happening for them. And they waited and they hoped and hope began to fade. But Luke goes on and look at the next verse it says of Zechariah. It says, but there's one who belonged to the priestly division at Agenai. His wife Elizabeth was also a descendant of Aaron. Luke is very specific and reminds us who Zechariah and Elizabeth are. This is historical. This is a this is right fact in history of, of who they are and the, and the group of people they're part of. They had some spiritual heritage. They're part of the priestly line. It's kind of like you know when it, it kind of a pastor's family. Their daddy's a pastor. The the grandpa was a pastor. The great grandfather's pastor. It was kind of that tra- tradition or what they were part of, and they're very devoted to the temple of God and to follow all the rituals. They followed this Jewish calendar and they did all the things they know to do, but they were a remnant. Everybody else, after hundreds of years, gave up on God, gave up, walked away. But there's a small Jewish remnant that kept the temple going, kept doing what they know to do, hoping one day the Messiah would come. And so Zechariah grew up with a faithful group and so much so, what does his parents name him? The Lord remembers, or God remembers. Zechariah, that's your name. That God hasn't given up on us. And then he's faithful to us. So Luke affirms this. And, and we read of Zechariah and Elizabeth. This is the description of who they are. It says this, both of them were, were righteous in, in the sight of God. We have that verse. There we go. <laughs> sight of God. Observing all the Lord's commands and decrees blamelessly. What does it say about them? It says they, they were faithful. They were faithful to God. They never wavered in their obedience to God, and they did it. What does it mean to be blameless? It's to do it with the right heart. They had a a right heart, and they were just the right people that God was going to use. Humble, righteous people that God was going to use. And look at verse 7. It says, but they were childless because Elizabeth was not able to conceive, and they they were both very old. Now, you can read into this a little bit, but maybe you don't have to read into it too much. Don't you, you think about and you embrace it, and some of you can relate with this. Some of you have in your story a story of barrenness. Some of you have in your story where as much as you wanted children, you're not able to have children. Or those that had children, there's, there's many who ex, who've suffered uh, miscarriages. So this, this is painfulness of a promise and hoping. You know, you're, you, here they are as, as a couple, and, and they're very much committed as, as the Hebrew people to, to be fruitful in the commandment that God gives us to multiply, and they can't do that. And now they're getting very up there in, in years. This is probably going through the minds, not only that it's just years, but decades they're experiencing this as a couple. They, they were living in this 400 years of silence. But for them personally, their own life and what they're experiencing and the pain. Here they are in pain and they're weary and, and yet God seems to be silent until this moment that seems almost overdue. It's like, God, it's about time. It's about time that you, you do something here. Look at verse 8. It says this, once when Zechariah's division was on duty and he was serving as the priest before God, he was chosen by a lot according to the custom of the priesthood to go into the temple of the Lord and burn incense. And when the time for the burning of incense came, all the assembled worshipers were praying outside. Now, you need to kind of know, and I can't go into the entire historical context of this, but you need to understand what was going on. Zechariah, in, in, in simplest terms, won the lottery. 
Because it's a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity for this priest to go. Because there was lots and lots of priests that were part of this priesthood. And it was almost, it was his shot, his once-in-a-lifetime. And not every priest even got it. But through a lot, through, you know, the lots, they picked a lot. And his rock came up that he could go in and do this work. So he's praying, he's preparing. This is a big big deal. But he had no idea. He thought he was going to do this normal ritual act that they do at the, the Jewish temple, but his world's going to get completely changed. Look at verse 11. It says, then an angel of the Lord appeared to him, standing in the right side of the altar incense. And when Zacharias saw him, he was startled and with grip with fear. I, I noticed that every time in the Bible, when an angel speaks to somebody, people are gripped with fear. You ever thought about that? A lot of times we think of angels like little chubby baby angels with wings. Like, they, I don't think so. I, don't, I think there's usually a fierce warrior kind of angel standing there in front of them. I most, maybe, maybe like an Iron Man suit or something. I don't know what it is, but it's scary for them. They're gripped. And every time an angel will say this, do not be afraid. Zachariah, your prayer has been heard. Think about this. Your prayer has been heard. Wouldn't you love to hear that from God? Wouldn't you love to hear that? You're, you know, when you, when you send a, a, a prayer to God that, that you get like a thumbs up, right? You know, at least emoji, little prayer. It'll be great to have that. Or just what it says when you sent it, it says seen. Knowing that God saw your prayer. But here's a response back that he hears that your prayer is answered. Now, what is the prayer? Well, the prayer. What have they been praying for years and years and years? The prayer. Elizabeth and Zachary have been praying and hoping. In fact, maybe it's a prayer they don't pray anymore. After years and maybe decades and knowing they're not going to have children, they probably live with that fact. They're not going to have kids. They're up there. They're past their prime to have children. And yet, hear God, and you're thinking, man, Lord, you're way overdue on this. No, his timing was coming for a purpose. Zachariah had this privilege of hearing his prayer answered. It says this, the angel said to him, your wife Elizabeth will bear you a son and you will call him John. The angel got right to the point of this promised child. He says this, you'll be a joy and a delight to you. He will bring back many of the people of Israel to the Lord their God and you will go on before the Lord in the spirit of the power of Elijah that turn the hearts of the parents to their children and the disobedient of the wisdom to the righteous. If you go to the end of the Old Testament, the end of Malachi, the very last few verses talk about that one day, the hearts of the children return to their fathers and the fathers to their children. And there is a bridge. Isn't that amazing? Ties it right back through this life of this man in this temple all by himself. And it says, bring back. What does it mean to bring back? Well, again, the Jewish people, after hundreds of years, hundreds of years, hundreds of years, they just, people, generations gave up. They not only just said, I don't, you know, they didn't even think of God. They didn't even have it in their minds that God even exists any longer. All they knew was bondage. All they knew was persecution. All they know was oppression by this evil Roman empire that taxed them and, and, and put them in servitude. That's all they knew. And yet, God was here coming through at the right time in this moment where the Christmas story is just being written. Now, what, who, who's this baby that grew up? This John. Well, you probably, if you know it already a little bit, it's John the Baptist. John, and you can read in the Gospel of John, where John himself grows up, and he says, I am the voice of one calling in the desert to make ready a people prepared for the Lord. John's job, 
was to, gr- was to grow up and to prepare for Jesus to come. But before that to happen, God would choose one dude to break the 400-year waiting period. And it was about time. It was about time that God would reveal his plan and, and realize in this work that he's doing, there's some credible work in this waiting, anticipation what is to come. Now listen to Zechariah's response. Zechariah asked the angel, how can I be sure of this? I am old man, and I love this. He's really respectful to his wife. My wife is well along in years. Like, good one, buddy, because that comes back around on you. She'll hear something, okay? So you good, good job with that. Well, listen to what happens. This is the angel said to him, I am Gabriel. I stand in the presence of God, and I've, I've been sent to speak to you and tell you this good news. Now, what's the good news? It's the good news. The good news of great joy, then there will be a savior being born and be Christ the Lord. It's, it's to prepare for Jesus to come. But here's something I think is so ironic. It can be comical unless you're Zechariah and what you read and what happens to him. Check this out. After 400 years of no prophecies and no prophet speaking, no revelation for four centuries, Gabriel breaks the waiting period with this. He says, now you will be silent. And not able to speak until the day this happens because you did not believe my words, which came true at their point in time. So <laughs> this is funny, not to Zechariah, but it's funny to us. I'm looking back at it. The, the Lord is ironic. The Lord was silent all the time. He, all this appointed time, waited hundreds of years. And then the first guy that he speaks to, to break the silence, he tells him, hey, you messed up. Now you can't talk. God, you have a sure, funny way of accomplishing your plans. Here's this waiting period to take place. Look at what scripture says next. Meanwhile, how many love meanwhile? When they're, oh, you know, the, you know mean times are mean, right, times in our life. Here, meanwhile, it says the people are waiting for Zechariah and wondering why he stayed so long in the temple. When he came out, he could not speak to him. They realized he, he'd seen a vision in the temple for he kept making signs to them but remind, but remained unable to speak. Zechariah, how can we be sure of this? Here he was given the sign from God, and what was it? Sign language for nine months. That's what he ended up doing. More time, more waiting. Elizabeth becomes pregnant, her, her, and her cousin Mary, you're thinking, which Mary? The Mary comes and visits. And John, who's in Elizabeth's womb, leaps when she sees, when, when, he, when, she, when, he's near, when they're near Mary, foreshadowing of what is to come. Well, the promised child is born. Family starts suggesting names. They say, well, let's, let's name him this, let's name him that. Let's name him after his daddy, Zachariah. And, 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 and John, uh, Zachariah can't speak. He's like, no, no, no. He's like, What's, what is he doing? They're trying to get his attention. He, he, give me something. You know, he's waving something. And so he gets a little, you know, slate and he writes the name John. It's in Hebrew, it's Johan. It, I don't know if you know this, John means God's, uh, it means favorite. And so if you, if you have a, if your name's John, you're the favorite in the family. Sorry, everyone else, you know, like, man, my brother's name's John. That's not fun. That's not fair. Well, talk to your parents about that. Uh, I love how the passage finishes, says this, at the end of the chapter of Luke 1, it says this, immediately his his mouth was open and his tongue set free and he began to speak praising God after all these months go by. 
And all the neighbors were filled with awe, and throughout the hill country of Judea, people were talking about all these things. Everyone who heard this wondering about it asked, what then is this child going to be? For the Lord's hand was on him. Not already gave it away who he ends up being, becomes John the Baptist. He ends up leading the way and preparing the way for Christ to come, for the Messiah to be not only well, he's born and then lives, but the ushering of, of Christ's ministry on this earth and the kingdom of God on this earth to be established. J- Gabriel said to Zachariah, this, this appointed time, this appointed time that the baby would be born that would change everything. Not just the baby of John, but Jesus himself would change the world. The way it was over, silence was broken. And as they say, it's, it's history, it's in the books. God created time God who created time is outside of time, breaks through time space to to come at the very time that we needed him come at the moment he needed to come. Now next week we're going to talk about the details and the season and Christ was actually born if you're wondering about that. But again, I asked the question in the beginning, why this exact time in history? Why in this moment? You ask God and his sovereignty, he knows that we we can accept that. But why then? Well, here's my little little thought with this is, well, it's because Rome had roads. Some of you are like, what, 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 how, how does that matter? Rome had roads. Is that, the, is that really why? Well, part of it, I believe, historically. Rome was the center of the ancient world. Rome had influence. Rome, actually, if you look at world empires, Rome really was the last great empire that covered multi-continents. Pretty amazing. And God had enough. He goes, it's about time. The persecution and the oppression and, and the people, like the, 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 the flicker of hope was going to get snuffed out. It was time. It knew in time in history. And what to take place, not just for a physical savior to come and, and to rescue them physically from the oppression politically and physically, but a spiritual liberator. The Messiah would come to free them beyond, the, beyond their physical state of slavery. More importantly, spiritually. That a Savior would be born to save them from their sins. And so the darkest moment, that light came through. And that light shined out of Nazareth. And spread past Judea. And went across multi-continents. Why? Because there was roads. God knew in the, in the pathway that the gospel be spread. And that was the time and that was in the moment in history. And here we are today. And sometimes you look back and like, why didn't God just wait till Twitter came out? Like, that would have been way too long to wait on that. It was the right time that he knew. It was all about time. And I love how the Apostle Paul, an early church writer, sums it up this way. He says, when the fullness of time had come, that God sent forth his son. And the fullness of time sent his son. It's a, it makes a great story, great storyline. The plot thickens, tension builds, pain is experienced, the situation intensifies, and it's the last moment where there's brought fulfillment. And I don't know about you, that's what I want my life to be. I want to find fulfillment. I want to find fulfillment, and I know it's not, and I've already learned many years ago, it's not what's ever under the tree, and it's not what shows up on my doorstop from my Amazon Prime order, Okay. 
That's not going to fulfill me. In fact, people keep sending me packages. Not, I mean, this, I, I think because we're doing something too. We're clicking something and things show up at the door. It's like, this is, not, this is filling, this is clutter more than anything in the season. Now, what brings fulfillment? What brings fulfillment? So let me share that with you as we, as we take just a couple more minutes and we'll, we'll wrap up and pray here in a moment. Here's three main thoughts. Here's three main thoughts for us about God's timing. Timing not only in the, the moment that Christ was born in this Christmas story, but your story and the timing that's so, so important. And the first is this, and I, we can learn this from this really wonderful, humble couple, this, this priest and his wife. The first is this, it's about being faithful till God brings fulfillment. It's about being faithful till God brings fulfillment. Zachariah and Elizabeth were faithful servants to God. They were faithful servants to God, but there was a testing of that faithfulness. And the testing of our faithfulness is to know this, it's when it's not trendy. It's, it's when there's these moments in our life when people bail on their commitments, when, when, when you keep strong and other people lower their standards at work, the people that cut corners and you don't. When you work hard though, and yet here's the challenge of faithfulness, you, you make little progress. And I think the biggest, the most obvious that we work through ongoing is, is, is pain. Suffering through emotional pain. And I would say even physical pain. As many as we're getting older and older, there's, there's pain, that real pain that's involved. I cut my finger yesterday, and i tell you later how embarrassing I, how I cut my finger to do that. But I've had more in lives than cut fingers. I, I spent six years, from the beginning part, I was, I was part of this church, six years in, in chronic pain. Pain that I dealt with in, in the journey. And, and understand when I share my story of pain, pain's pain. Pain, you think, man, six years, six years, six, six months, it's pain's, pain's pain. I would say this, I, where I ended up was at the urologist. At 38 years old, thinking, gosh, there's something wrong with me. There's something seriously wrong with me, the amount of pain that I was experiencing. They did a cystoscopy, which if you look that up, you don't want to. And then I found out I should have been asleep for it. And you, you weren't asleep for that? No, that's painful. I was referred to the University of Washington. And, and the oncology, that's cancer. And they, they, there wasn't cancer. Thank God there wasn't cancer. But what is wrong with me? They couldn't figure it out. And they're going to a physical therapist and did that. You know, and if you've ever gone to a physical therapist, it's not just what they do in the treatment of you. They give you a whole list of, list of things you got to do, all these exercises and all this different stuff I'm doing. It just got so involved. And like, God, I just want to get over this. I want to get out through this. I remember going and getting cortisone shots. That's fun. That's great experience. End up going to acupuncture. And, and I've, maybe you've heard me share my acupuncture story. I remember one day I, they, they put all these needles in you. And, and, and then the lady left. And, and, and you don't have the CD music, kind of the weird music playing. And then all of a sudden the music ended. I'm thinking, how long is a CD? It's got to be at least 20 minutes. And then it keeps going, going. It's silence. Where is she? She talked about going and getting her kid from school. Did she get a car crash or something? She left me here. And like, I, do I pull these out myself? And so I looked down and like, I, I got 50 of them in my feet. Like, I can't move, move. Like, what's going to happen? And, and like, if it worked for you, great. It didn't work for me. It stressed me out more. I went to finally, you know, I did a colonoscopy. Those are fun. And then I remember going to the ER and I thought, that, and if you ever experienced, and I've never had them, but the, the, the pain level of similarity is kidney stones. And I remember my wife, we had young children at the time. She the kids were sleeping, but she had to rush me to the hospital. She drops me off in the ER and takes off. 
I had to go home with the kids. And I'm up, up, up all night in the ER. And God, I'm just begging God, do something, do something, do something. And I remember the next day going back to the original doctor. And he says to me, well, why didn't you come back to me six years ago? If those things weren't working. <laughs> just wanted to, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> Pastor. But you've experienced that in your life, haven't you? Like we go these round and round and round and round. Like God, when is going to be in? But I tell you this, it's about timing. It's about timing. God through medicine and help and feel better and still a chronic issue, but you manage it, you get through it. It is about timing. It's about that. And your pain and my pain, we don't, let's not compare pain. But know this, in our pain and our struggles and our problems, it's trusting God that in his fullness, in his time, if we're faithful, knowing that he is faithful as well. One of the great promises of scripture is Isaiah says this, those who wait for the Lord, will gain new strength. They will mount up like wings of eagles. They'll run and not get tired. They'll walk and not become weary as we wait upon God because he is faithful. We sang that this morning. Do it again. The song is this, for you have never failed me yet. Your promises still stand. Great is your faithfulness. Faithfulness. I'm still in your hands. This is my confidence. You've never failed me yet. Lord, you did it before. You will do it again. Confidence in it. Trusting that God has got us through the past. He will give us confidence in the future as we trust in him. So I don't know this week what you need to do. I would sing it to your computer screen or your windshield or your shower head. Do it again, Lord. You did it before, Lord. You do it again. Sing it till we believe it and trust in him. The other thing I would say in, in, in the timing of God in our lives and wondering is this, in the waiting, God does his best work. In the waiting, God does his best work. The, the Zachariah, he didn't do it perfectly, did he? We look at his story in the model, but he he messed up a little bit. Poor boy. I mean, he got his, you know, God, he gave lip to God and God glued his lips together for, for nine months. That's scary, isn't it? To, to think about in his life and, and what, he, what he went through. And it's humbling our lives. I tell you, we realize that you think of God's waiting on, you know, we're waiting on God. Do you know that God's waiting on us? Listen, listen to the scripture says this, the Lord is not slow. And keeping his promises as some understand slowness. Instead, he is patient with you. Not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone come to repentance. Let me rewind that. That God is patient with you. He's patient with you. Remind us that we're in line. We're in the, we're in the traffic line. We're waiting for that stupid train at times to get through. We're waiting. God, and when you're in the waiting line, no one is it God's waiting on you. God's waiting for you to respond to him. And because in the waiting, it's so important. You hear this? In your waiting, he's, he's patient with us. So we, we learn and we grow. That we understand what matters to him most. What's close to his heart. And his desires for our life. In the waiting, come on, it gives us perspective. It gives us understanding. If everything came so quickly, you ever met anybody that grew up and they got everything they wanted? What do we call them? Spoiled brat, right? It doesn't, there's a work that God's doing preparing us. It's not just his will, but it's the fulfillment and the timing of his will. Let me share this with you is this. Solutions come in the waiting. Sometimes we want the answer 
It's in the waiting is where we find the solution. It's a waiting and learning and growing and wondering. And some of us are sitting here, God, I just don't know your timing. I don't get your timing. I don't understand your timing and, and all this. I trust you, but I just don't understand the timing. You know what I've learned is when I spend time with God, I get his timing. When I spend time with God every day and I seek him in prayer and I, I find and learn from his word that we've got this thousands of year history. And sometimes we read it and go, oh, I want that God. Can I have it now? What are we thinking? It's perspective. Understanding that this will that he's trying to accomplish. And here's my last thought as our team comes is this. It's about time for you. It's about time for you. And what I mean by that is in the perfect time of Christ's coming, it was perfect for you. And it's perfect for you here this morning. You're wondering where God's timing all is? It's right here, right now. And I love what Scripture tells us this in Romans. You see, at just the right time, not a second more, not a second after, just at the right time, it says this, that God, Christ came when we were still powerless. Christ died for the ungodly. That when tension and problems and struggles come, when we're at the lowest point, when we're sick in what we're going through and what we're facing, and more importantly, what we deal with is this, we are sick in our sin in a place of hopelessness, in a place that we don't know where to turn to what to go, in our powerless state, in our ungodly state, Christ came not just to be born, but Christ came to die at the right moment for us today. Aren't you grateful for that? He did that work for us. And so it's about time for you today. It's about time for you to make that choice today. Knowing this, that this story this Christmas story, it's a love story. Paul finishes this, he says, but God demonstrated his own love for us that while we're still sinners, Christ died for us. Christ died for you. It's this moment, this time in history for you to be here hearing what this is. This moment, this time, and this opportunity, knowing that God, basically you were worth the wait. I tell you, that's what makes a great story. It's the timing. Christmas story is your story. And it can be my story. As we recognize this holiday season for you and for me to respond to you. So here's the question. It's, a, it's about time for you. Isn't it about time for you to respond to him? Will you bow with me in prayer? Let's pray together. And as we pray, as we take this moment, as we close. I encourage you right now to just ask the Lord, where, where are you with him in the timing of your life? In the season that you're in, in the, in the place that you're in right now, how are you gonna respond in, in, in to your commitment to Christ today? If you haven't given your life to Christ, today's your day. It's about time. It's about time you say, Jesus, be my Lord, be my Savior. For some of us this morning, I, this can be a confession time. That you could, you could say, I, Lord, I've complained to you. Lord, I, I've complained to you in my pain. I, I've, I've had doubt in believing you. Lord, I'm trying to be faithful, but I'm weary. And Lord, I just confess my weakness to you. I confess my sin to you. I confess that I've been impatient. And Lord, you have been so patient with me in your timing. And Lord, I'm sorry, Lord. I want to I be in line with you. I want to align with your timing. And Lord, you haven't solved my problem or my issue or difficulty or my pain. But Lord, I'm still gonna trust you. I'm committing myself to you today. And Lord, I need you today. I need you today to help me where I'm at. 
and knowing and trusting in your timing that you brought about all that you did and accomplished in history for the right moment. You'll do the same for me personally today. So Lord, wherever we all are in the commitment to you today, for some, they're, they're still trying to figure things out. Lord, there's some here today kind of going, Jesus, I think I've turned to you. I'm not sure. Lord, but today be clear for them that this would be their time. This would be their opportunity to say, yes, Jesus, be my Lord, be my Savior. Not only be the Lord that was born in the manger, but Lord, be the Lord that was born that died on the cross for me. Jesus, I receive you for what you've done and dying for my sins. I receive you as my Lord, my Savior today. God, it's about time that I turn to you. Lord, for some here, they're struggling with your timing and understanding your will. Lord, will you give them, as we pray for patience, Lord, that you would, we would get a perspective, Lord, of what you have for our lives and where we're at, God, in the midst of our, our struggle right now, Lord, that you would help us. Your spirit would fill us and that would not only get us through, that we would have find joy in this holiday season. We would find fulfillment, Lord, because, God, we commit to be faithful to you because you will bring fulfillment. Lord, if you're teaching us to wait in the waiting, Lord, to, to learn in the waiting, God, you're doing your work in us. You're doing a work in transformation in us that we don't want to rush that process of what it's really going to bring. So God, continue to do that work, we pray, in us and through us. And God, as, as we go from this place and we go into this week, and Lord, the opportunities to bless people and the toy store and the opportunities that we have in this holiday season, may we just take these invitations not only to come to a Christmas Eve service, but an invitation to, to you that you offer every single person in this community, God, that we believe for that, that this would be the good news of great joy we'd share to all people this season in Birch Bay and Blaine and beyond, God. We believe for that as a community, as a church, and God, you want it more than ever, Lord, in our season here. We believe for that in Jesus' name.